Welcome. You're listening to Janesville Mobilizing for Changes Together for Change podcast, your source for local substance abuse prevention matters in Janesville and Rock County. Here's your host, Aaron Davis. Good afternoon and thank you for joining us. This is Aaron Davis, your host for Together for Change. Today, I'd like to welcome back Jane Goldberg and Kathy Camo, JM4C Project Coordinators. Kathy also serves as our evaluator. Thank you both for joining us. Today, I would like to discuss the impact that COVID has had on youth substance use prevention, what the agency is currently working on, and what outcomes you expect to see in the future. So Jane and Kathy, can you both tell me a little bit about what your job entails, about the population you're serving, and how you do that? Sure. Um, So my name is Jane Goldberg, and I mainly work with our Drug-Free Communities Grant, which is a federal grant to address substance abuse prevention in youth. So the issues that JM4C targets include underage drinking and youth vaping nicotine. So the whole coalition works as a whole on the seven strategies of community change to address these issues. And these strategies include provide information, provide support, enhance skills, reduce barriers or enhance access, change consequences, physical design, and also modify or change policies. So we really do activities under each of these strategies to address youth substance use because we know that there's not one magic bullet to address substance use. So we really rely on our coalition members and our community partners to help with our efforts. And Jane, do you have um, a specific all, age group that you're working with? So we focus on youth, so anyone under 18. But so, we also know that parents are involved and grandparents have a role in raising these youth. So we also do information to those populations as well. So it can kind of trickle down. We also address prescription drug abuse by offering free medication lockboxes to the community and also um providing medication take-back events throughout the year as well. Okay. So can you give me an example of some of the um, alcohol and vaping initiatives that you're working on? Sure. So, for example, for Provide Information, we recently partnered with the school district and police department to send out letters to the parents of juniors and seniors at both of the Janesville High Schools to kind of talk about the dangers of providing alcohol to youth. And how effective do you find these um, practices to be? We've had a lot of success. This is probably the fourth or fifth year that we've done that activity. Um, And I think what makes it really special is that these letters are mailed in police department envelopes. So we know for sure that parents are opening them. Yeah, I can only imagine if I got a letter from the police department, I would be opening it really fast. Right. So, Kathy, you also work with youth substance use, but you have kind of a different twist on yours, right? Uh, yes, yes. This is Kathy Camo. I'm the project coordinator for the STOP Act grant. Well, the STOP Act grant is actually an enhancement to the uh, grant that Jane is working with. So, we focus on youth substance use, but I'm targeting the LGBTQ youth in Janesville. And uh, this grant actually works with youth up until the age of 20. Um, So we are using this grant to look at the local conditions in the community that put uh, this particular population of youth at risk for alcohol use. 
uh, <clears throat> so we're looking at um, uh, what support they have in the community, uh, if, uh, if they have parental support, if there's support in school, if uh, there's um, activities for them in the community. And we, uh, through uh, doing surveys and the youth risk behavior survey, we've discovered that there are a number of things that, that, uh, that we needed to do. So we've spent the past three and a half years, almost four years, uh, implementing different projects across the community to help support this group. So, Kathy, how do you reach what is a marginalized community inside a larger student body? And well, we started with the school district. Um, uh, there, there, uh, the, the counselors in the, each of the schools actually uh, have been in contact with some of these youth, and through them, we were able to establish uh, GSAs or Gender Sexuality Alliance clubs in each of the high schools and the middle schools, and this provided a, a place for. LGBTQ youth uh, to go where they would know they could be themselves and it was a safe environment. And for the most part, these clubs were overseen by the school counselors. And so, so that's where we started. So if you started there, where did you expand to? So it sounds like you're not only accessing this population now through the schools, but you're seeing them in, in other um, types of situations where you can provide services or provide that support. Well, through the through the students, one of the things that we did once we uh, got these groups established was we talked to the students themselves to find out what their support needs were, and one of the things that they uh, wanted to happen was that the community itself was uh, more aware of uh, LGBTQ, and um, so we stuck worked with the library to put on monthly presentations to the community on various LGBTQ topics. So that we've done for two and a half years now. Uh, we've also uh, worked to with school staff. We did a survey with school staff and with law enforcement personnel to identify what their training needs were so that they were uh, better skilled at working with this particular population. And so as a result of that, we've uh, had a number of trainings with school staff, and we did develop through one of our partner agencies some PSAs that were run during shift changes at the police station so that they knew they were more aware of different issues. That sounds like it would be particularly impactful, especially the piece about um, training teachers and school personnel, because our youth, they spend a good 35 to 40 hours a week at school. So yes. One of the things that we did provide the schools with were resources for parents, especially parents of middle school youth uh, that seem to be at a, an age where uh, many uh, LGBTQ were coming out to their parents. And parents, um, uh, understandably, uh, didn't know a lot about what's the topic and were confused and were looking for resources. So we have provided the school with different resources that they can share with parents so they can educate themselves and have a better understanding of how to support their child. And that makes sense to me. You know, like you said, middle school, that's where young people start to uh, notice 
um, a romantic relationships and start to think about who it is they might be interested to in. I think that's a really developmental age. So for both of you, how has COVID interrupted this work? What are you doing differently and what is there that you can't do at all? Um, Well, I think we've definitely been impacted by COVID as most everyone else has, but I would like to think that we have adjusted really well. Um, One thing that we have done is we have increased our presence through social media campaigns on Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, We also have a prevention in the park series, and that is a series that is funded through the United Way Blackhawk region. Um, And what that is, is monthly events that were held in the fourth ward. So obviously with the stay-at-home orders issued, we transitioned to a virtual format. So we have had um, online trivia games, a prom photo sharing contest. We've also done some scavenger hunts and an online citywide um, word scramble. That sounds then like a another lot of thing fun. that we do on our Facebook, yeah, it was really a lot of fun to put together. Um, also on our JM4C Facebook page, we do a story time in the evenings on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And on Fridays, um, the stories were offered in Spanish. So that was a nice little treat to some of our young ones as well. Um, I think we are working on getting ready to do an online hidden in plain sight display for adults. Our, um, our Hidden in Plain Sight display is a very successful program that we offer, and it's been very successful over the years. It's where we create a mock teenager's bedroom and then scatter drug paraphernalia throughout it. So it's really an awareness program for parents to understand what is out there, what are the latest drug trends, what are is the lingo that these teens are using so they can kind of decipher what they're talking about. Um, but one thing that we have not been able to do is to continue our youth alcohol and tobacco compliance checks. That's something that we partner with the police department on, and it's not something that we feel a hundred percent that we can do safely at this point because we do rely on our youth volunteers. So I have a question about that. Um, it would seem to me that as people go masked into liquor stores or into gas stations, that it would be easier for them to procure alcohol and tobacco. So Mm -hmm. I understand not wanting to use young people in order to do this, but is there an alternative method of making sure that message gets sent to your alcohol establishments? Yes, that's definitely an avenue that we haven't taken, but I would be interested in pursuing is I've seen some material out there from other coalitions who created kind of like tip sheets on how to properly check IDs when um, individuals come into the store wearing face masks. All right. Thank you, Jane. And how about you, Kathy? What has been what's being done differently and what can't you work on? Well, we did have a number of events that we had, unfortunately, had to cancel. Um, one of the uh, the things that we were trying to do over the past four years was to offer uh, opportunities for um, youth, LGBTQ youth, to come together to be themselves and to socialize in a safe, drug-free environment. And so those things have had to... Um, be canceled that, that had have already been scheduled. We have met virtually like uh, what Jane was talking about, just to plan on what our next steps are. 
um, because we're coming to the end of this grant, um, we're not going to be scheduling any more youth events, but we're looking at our partners and, and what they can do to carry our work forward. Uh, we did also offer a um, presentation uh, online. For, uh, so to try to continue with the spectrum presentations that were offered at the library, we've done one so far. We're planning to do another one uh, this in in July, um, and we're looking at different ways that we can provide training. Uh, we had planned on having a full day training, but we know virtually that can be kind of a difficult thing to to. Um, to do so, we're looking at different ways that we can provide this information uh, to law enforcement and to school staff going forward. So, Kathy, I think that the students that you have been working with have already been identified as belonging to a higher risk population. Do you think that because of this, some of the progress that has been made over the course of the grant will be undone? Well, I do think that uh, one of the goals of this grant was to help other organizations develop support mechanisms to help this population. So I don't think that will be undone. I think going forward, we've, we've given um, the school staff, law enforcement staff, um, other uh, community groups, the skills and the awareness to address uh, some of the support needs of this population. And it's really all about support, isn't it? For, for this, yes, for this group, yes. Uh, they do... Uh, tend to feel isolated, and uh, and there are many people out there who still don't really understand what LGBTQ is. So uh, making them more aware and accepting of this population is really important. Thank you, Kathy. Um, Jane, legislation, policies, and procedures have been changing quickly and dramatically in the past four months. Um, these are both to protect residents and to bolster the economy. Have any of these changes impacted your work? Nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. I know that in our community, the city council had passed an ordinance to allow bars and restaurants to be able to sell alcohol to um, as to go. So I think that's something that we're definitely keeping an eye on and making sure that it's being followed appropriately. Um, but other than that, there's nothing that I can think of. Okay. Well, that's good to know, right? I mean, with everything that's going on, we don't want to add more problems to the plant. So, all right. Well, thank you both. We're going to take a quick break to learn about the social host ordinance, and then we will be back. Underage drinking is against the law. Hello, this is Rock County Sheriff Troy Knutson. Under Wisconsin state law, it is illegal for adults to provide a location for underage drinking parties, even in their own home. The first violation will cost you more than $450. Don't worry about being the popular parent. Be the responsible one. Those who host lose the most. This message brought to you by the Rock County Prevention Network. All right, welcome back. Just before our break, we were discussing how prevention has adapted to fit the current situation. Now, I'd like to talk about whether future adaptations to um, prevention work are coming. Kathy, I understand that the STOP Act grant, which funds your program, will be ending soon. Are there support systems in place that will continue helping these vulnerable youth? And what are they? Uh, yes, yes. We've, been, we've already started to identify different organizations that we've been partnering, partnering with over the past few years 
who can take carry on some of the activities that have been very successful. For instance, the um, the UCC Church in uh, downtown Janesville will be carrying on youth activities uh, starting in the fall, and they've already uh, developed a youth uh, uh, committee to plan those activities. When you say um, a youth committee, do you mean that it's a committee that's made up of youth? I, I sorry, I, a committee made up of. Um, UCC members that are interested in providing the, the activities for the youth. Okay. So, yeah. And um, the library will be continuing with the Spectrum series uh, presentations. We've talked about doing Pride in the Park again, but that uh, they're, they're, they're still discussing whether that will look the same as it did before. Um, the base um, in Evansville, another coalition, has uh, just received the STOP Act grant, and so their staff will help to oversee the uh, Family Transitions Program, which is a uh, support group for families that have a child that is transgender. So that is a group that we established last year, and it's become a network of parents that have helped to support each other. So there'll be a staff person in Rock County that will help to continue that work. That's awesome. It sounds like it's a vital piece of the puzzle. Yes. And and also the school district has, uh, be, through some trainings that we've done with uh, GSAFE out of Madison, the school district now has a relationship with the trainers there, and they're going to be continuing with offering trainings at least once or twice a year oh, in, the, in the school district for staff. And Jane, what do you see as likely future population-level prevention efforts knowing the current public health crisis? Well, I think that alcohol continues to be um, a substance of choice for both adults and young people. So I think there's going to be continued efforts to address that. Um, With the stay-at-home orders, alcohol sales went through the roof. The week of March 21st, when the orders were first issued to stay at home in Wisconsin, Alcohol sales went up to went up fifty five percent. So youth at home may have been exposed to more alcohol consumption, and I also think there is that belief that parents do not see it as harmful for youth to drink under their supervision. Um, so there is a great campaign that came out of the Wisconsin Department of Health Services recently called Small Talk. And the idea is just to encourage parents to have frequent and casual conversations with their kids about alcohol. So I think this has really come at an opportune time. And if anyone is interested in learning more about this campaign, they can visit smalltalkwi.org. So you mentioned that they should be frequent and casual conversations. Correct. Instead of sitting down your teenager right before prom and saying, don't drink, Um, The idea is to have these conversations starting about age eight and continuing on through their teenage years to really solidify the message that alcohol is not safe for youth to consume and establish what your expectations are of your child. And what would you say to parents that think that age eight is too young to start that conversation? You know, there's some really great talking points on the website, and it doesn't have to be serious conversations, just kind of talking about what they perceive and 
um, get their ideas about what is happening around them. And it can just be very casual. Okay. Um, So what do you both perceive to be the likely outcome regarding youth substance use of the COVID crisis? Um, Well, I can um, start the the discussion about that. I I like what um, Jane was saying, that there has been an increase in sales in alcohol. I think that one of the worries are that that adults are going to be using alcohol more frequently. We had seen a uh, drop in uh, the percentage of of LGBTQ youth using during the past uh, youth risk behavior survey that was taken. And my fear is that because of COVID that we, that may um, backtrack a bit, that we may now see an increase. Do you think that it's going to be an increase in single-time use, or do you think it's going to be an increase in alcohol use disorders? That I can't say. Um, I do think that the COVID crisis has created uh, a stress for adults and for youth, and that um, uh, just like with adults, we all need to uh, look at other ways of, um, of dealing with stress. And if, it, if youth are seeing the adults in their life handle stress through alcohol, then that's just a modeling of behavior that they may likely choose to use as well. So I guess encouraging everyone to look at uh, healthier ways of dealing with stress and um, self-care and uh, and finding ways of dealing with that that's, that is not using a substance. Okay. And Jane, what would you say to that? I would absolutely agree with everything Kathy just said. Um, you know, the COVID crisis definitely put a lot of stress on families. So even though youth may have not been around their peers, so they weren't um, struggling with peer pressure, I think maybe watching their parents deal with the crisis or even their own crisis as well, um, they have made may turn to unhealthy behaviors. So I would agree with everything Kathy said. And what would the two of you like listeners to take away from our talk today? Um, I would say just be there for the young people um, in your life. One supportive adult can make a positive difference in the life in the life of a young person. So just be that supportive person. All right, thank you. Uh, I absolutely agree um, that uh, just being that adult that can be there to listen, and also for parents to know that uh, as as much as they may think their adolescent does not listen to them, they're the most Uh, They're the person that has the most influence over the uh, decisions that youth make. So helping them make healthy decisions is really uh, very important. All right. Well, thank you both for joining us today for Together for Change. I would like our listeners to stay tuned for our next episode, and everybody have a great day.